This is the Simi Sarah Show on News Talk 980 CKNW, Vancouver's News, Vancouver's Talk. Good morning and happy Easter. It is Monday, March the 28th. I'm Simi Sarah and welcome to the show. Uh, let's get you up to date on what is happening right now. And we are going to start with the international story, the tragedy in Lahore, Pakistan. Among the targets, Christian children celebrating Easter. Carmen Michael, a Pakistani community leader. We are really, very sad and feeling so um, upset because uh, it's the day of our worship. The blast detonated near the children's rides and food stands. It is the third bombing this month alone in Pakistan. You know, we've seen and heard lots of horrible things over the years, Gordon McDonald, but the idea of a playground being targeted is just, I don't know, especially heinous. Yeah, the, so this was yesterday. Um, a Pakistani Taliban group, an offshoot of the Taliban in Pakistan, is claiming responsibility. Uh, they said they were targeting Christians on Easter Sunday. Uh, but interestingly enough, 14 of the dead have been identified as Christians. 44 of the adults and children kill, killed in that uh, uh, attack were Muslim. So while they said they were attacking Christians, an awful lot of Muslims lost their lives as well in Lahore. And uh, as we were uh, reporting on the 10 o'clock news, the leader of that country says that they're going to get to the bottom of it. Security expert has identified a Muhammad Yusuf as the uh, suicide bomber, someone known to recruit terrorists. So uh, once again, there has been a bombing, a suicide bombing, uh, this coming uh, on the yeah. weekend after, of course, the attack last week in Brussels. I've often wondered, as I'm sure many people have, what it would take for Pakistan to really get involved and crack down. And I wonder, do you think this is the tipping point? Uh, short answer, no, because uh, in Islamabad, the capital, there has been more rioting as extremists there want uh, 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 a Muslim law. Uh, in the country as opposed to uh, Western-based law, uh, stemming back from the days of, of the Brits uh, in, in Pakistan So not so secular, yeah. Yeah, so, um, it's, uh, so yeah, back to your original question. Uh, it's still going to be a, a part of the world where there is uh, much unrest, although Lahore in Punjab province, which is the most industrialized province in Pakistan, uh, has been relatively quiet when it comes to these kinds of attacks. Well, we are going to be talking more about this just coming up after the 10.30 news. We'll be talking with the Pakistani Canadian Cultural Association of BC. But of course, there are lots of people here impacted by this as well. They're going to be holding a vigil on this topic uh, tonight. So we'll be keeping you up to date on that. I mean, just think about 70 dead, more than 300 injured. Many of those are children because this was a playground that was targeted on a Sunday afternoon. So we'll have that conversation coming up. Keep it tuned in right here for the very latest latest on that. And since we're talking about these terrorist attacks, we're going to give you an update on what's been happening in Brussels as well, coming up next. Hi, it's John McComb. You're listening to The Simi Sarah Show on CKNW. And this is what's happening right now. Fearing additional attacks, police across Europe have cast a wide net. There was an arrest in Italy, one in the Netherlands, cooperation in Germany, and more than a dozen new raids here in Belgium. Police are trying to make up for what Belgian officials called previous lapses in security that led to misconnections, unfollowed leads, and suspects that slipped away. Yeah, I tell you, there's a lot of pressure right now on Belgium law enforcement authorities in the light of the those two bombings last week that killed, what are we up to now, Gord, 35 people? 35. Four more died on the weekend. Reporter Aaron Katursky telling us about some of the other things. So the death toll uh, went up by four over the weekend to 35, over 300 
uh, injured. Three people ordered held on charges of participating in terrorist groups. There was the Italians made an arrest of a guy that they think uh, faked up the papers or uh, created the fake papers for the bombers. Um, the country's federal police in Belgium issued a 32-second video today on its website trying to identify a suspected accomplice to the two airport suicide bombers who could still be at large. So um, the security apparatus, not just in Belgium, but across uh, Europe, France, uh, Germany, yeah. uh, all gearing up uh, in the wake of the attacks. But, of course, critics might say uh, it's kind of closing the door after the horse got out of the barn. Yeah, just the idea, what we've heard in there, that they had the man in custody in for, you know, they believe responsible for some of the Paris attacks and didn't ask him about any future uh, attacks this that may have been planned. Salah Abdus Salam. Yeah, that they didn't even question, interrogate him to the extent that were they wondering what else was going to go on. They didn't. Never, they never asked the question. Well, I guess uh, uh, this is the guy that Donald Trump wants to waterboard. Said that the authorities in uh, in Europe should waterboard that guy. Do whatever it takes to get more answers uh, in, about future attacks. Uh, so yeah, sparking a lot of a lot of debate, but still a great sadness in in Belgium. Right. Uh, you know they are past of their course. three days of mourning. Pakistan's in its three days of mourning with terror bombings. Uh, Belgians come out of its three days, but still a lot of hard questions for security officials and just getting over uh, or not getting starting to come to terms with those wounded. There could still be more people die. Uh, a number of people are still critically wounded from uh, what happened on Tuesday in the two attacks, the attack at the airport and the attack at the subway station. So that 35 could go up. And I think the law enforcement aspect, as Gordon and I were just talking about, is still a little bit chaotic. I mean, they're still trying to get their bearings as to what's going on. Just this morning, uh, Belgian authorities there conceded yet another blunder in their investigation. They had to free a man that they had charged with terrorism and murder because they now say a witness had mistakenly identified him as that bomber in the dark hat and the white coat in the airport right. surveillance photo. So he'd been in charged on Friday. He'd been absolutely vilified by law enforcement over the weekend. And now they acknowledge that wrong guy. Sorry, he's not the one. Now they still have to go find the person who is still out there. And uh, clearly they'll be still looking for that person. So they have a lot. I know I understand that the security minister offered his resignation to the prime minister and it was rejected. But a lot of questions being asked in uh, in Brussels, for sure. I was telling Gord that last week in New York City, one of the cities that automatically kind of ramps up their security when an attack like this happens anywhere in the world, you would not believe the number of, of police officers and law enforcement and everybody just out on the streets. You could not walk a block without seeing one or two officers heavily armed patrolling. You know, and the irony, too, is it's that suburb of Brussels where uh, the Paris attackers came. So uh, while the focus in November, late November, after the Paris attacks was security within France, everybody pointed to this suburb of Brussels, very poor, uh, where a, lo a lot of uh, Muslim radicals had come out of. So, again, it uh, begs the question, what happened from November's attack to the one last Tuesday, and why were some of these people who were known to authorities allowed to do what they did? 
Right. And in Belgium that entire time, too. So that's going to be a developing story we'll be keeping an eye on. There'll be more news coming out today. Let's turn our attention, though, to what's going on here at home now. There's a lot of tension up at the uh, UBC campus. Those cameras aren't in people's bedrooms. They're not in washrooms. They're not capturing activity. They shouldn't. There's a way to calibrate this. And I'd be surprised if UBC wasn't able to, to meet their crime prevention objectives without crossing over privacy lines. All right, so that is David Hyde talking about the issue of security cameras on campus because with this latest sexual assault and this prowler that police have been talking about, this issue is is being raised again. Yeah, so we had the series of attacks in 2013. A big report was done uh, and on, on a bunch of things done to try and improve security at the Point Grey campus, but eventually CCTV cameras were rejected because it was too much of an invasion in privacy. Uh, David Hyde, the security expert, talking to our Jeremy Lai in the newsroom, saying... Well, you can have both. Uh, he thinks in, in some of the more common areas you can have CCTV and still protect the privacy rights of individuals. Uh, and in light of what happened uh, on Friday, uh, it's a question uh, and, a dis- and a discussion probably worth having again because the suspect in the Friday attacks uh, believed to have been hanging around, hanging around some of the yeah. dorms, hanging around some getting of the common in areas. Getting the dorms. Getting in the dorms, hanging around some of the washrooms. So a, a suspect... Uh, had been reported to authorities, but again, uh, uh, nothing appears to have happened. Uh, And then suddenly there was this attack and the news came out Friday. Um, And UBC, RCMP, a lot of questions that we want to ask, but at the moment they're not uh, saying anything today. Well, I mean, if you've got a child up there, definitely something to worry about. And if you're up there yourself, people live up there as well, not just students. You know, many families live up there. Uh, This is another concern. I don't know how you get the message through to younger people who live on campus, though, Gord, because in some of these residences, there's... Anybody who's been up there knows there's notices by the door. You have to punch in a code to get in the door, and they have notices there. Do not let anybody in behind you if you don't know who they are. Make sure the door is closed behind you. But police say, listen, those notices aren't really doing anything because clearly this person got in 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 at least two cases that they know of last week. Yeah, but we got security at this building, right, Uh, where we work downtown, security, uh, card card access, and there are people who get in, uh, people who get in... uh, and get to floors they shouldn't. Yeah, do and you I, think that's because people are afraid of being rude? Like if somebody walks in behind you, do you think we're afraid of saying, who are I'm you? sorry, who are you? And yeah, why are uh, you coming here? I think we, we raised this uh, when we talked about, uh, and it was, it was just a few uh, weeks ago or months ago, when we raised this where people got all snippy and, and that kind of thing if, uh, if they've forgotten their card and somebody actually challenges them. So I think you're right. I think we're, we're bred to be polite and uh, we're not really that's bred to be super paranoid about perverts. Uh, so, um, and on a university campus, you get a lot of young people. It's, it's not, maybe not the same dynamic as it is, say, in a downtown office building, but the same idea holds. People get into some of these buildings. We have basic security. Uh, people do get in when they shouldn't, and uh, uh, that may have been the case last week yeah. at UBC. You're right. I don't think it is that hard, un- unfortunately. If you look like you belong there, you act like you belong there, people just assume that you do belong there. And that becomes part of the problem there. But Gord's right. happens in the, this building occasionally as well, doesn't it? Yeah. And you got offices and you got uh, people who, sh- who need to be protected, uh, like many downtown offices. It's not willy-nilly. 
uh, some public offices and some uh, private offices where they don't want the public. Yeah, so true. Uh, what do you think that is? I mean, do you think that's just we're afraid of being seen as rude or what is that? You can let me know. Simi at cknw.com. Uh, when we come back, we'll turn our attention. <laughs> and again, I apologize, unfortunately, to what's left of our hockey season. That's coming up next. Hi, this is Drex from Drex Live, and you're listening to CKNW Simi Sarah Show. Here's what's happening right now. Thank, baby, thank, baby. We got our GMs to thank, baby, thank, baby. No more fan loyalty. Sounds sick, baby, sick, baby. We want the first overall pick, baby, pick, baby. I don't think it's Canadian hockey. There are seven teams in Canada. NHL teams. In the NHL. All these fans have lost their playoff hopes. It's like living in hockey hell. <laughs> tank, baby. Tank. Yeah, that's kind of catchy. Uh, sad that so many uh, places in Canada could actually use that song right now. And we're one of them. Yeah, we've lost eight in a row. Uh, we're sitting at 67 oh, points. Uh, we do have a game or two in hand, but the Toronto Maple Leafs are the worst uh, at 65 points. Uh, we are sitting with Edmonton at 67. Our, I think our Tim Dickert looked it up. Our longest losing streak is 10 games, and we're sitting at eight. Um, are the Canucks going to win before the season ends? I think they've got seven <laughs> games left. Uh, they did go. Uh, they did go three games, more than three games, without scoring a goal. Uh, but they broke uh. that streak. So uh, you know, are we going to get the first pick? A couple of weeks ago, I remember they were. They weren't like this bad but they weren't quite good enough to make the playoffs. They were kind of like mediocre points, losing, they were right? 10 points out of the final playoff spot in the West. And, and people were saying, geez, they can't even lose properly because they have to tank. And I just thought, oh, really? Are we that cynical? Turns out we are, Gord. <laughs> we are that cynical. The people did want them uh, to do that. I was telling Gord, too, I have two brothers-in-law who live in Alberta, in Edmonton, actually. And I've always teased them, like, for the last 10 years about oh, their Edmonton Oilers. Oh, you got to eat some and I, I had to refrain from doing that over the weekend talking to them on the phone and i thought oh, i better stop doing that now because they yeah. could just fire that right back at us so that right yeah i know it's a uh, tainting family relations too at the same time with this so what are we at here we're at the bottom with what the leafs and the oilers okay so the oilers and us have 67 points so for tied for second worst in the nhl and toronto's worst at 65 points uh, we got seven games left. Uh, I looked it up here. Hang on. Okay, so we got seven games left. Edmonton has four games left. Toronto has eight games left. Oh, so, well, we could know. still get beaten, too. So, yep. Yep. All right. Well, I'm sure it's not happy times for everybody on the team, but we'll have to see how that goes. There's always next year. Remember the year when we used to say that about the Canucks? There's this always is, next it's year. It's not even April. You don't say that till <laughs> like, August. Okay? There's always next season. All right. Let's talk about what's going on in California. Here's what else is happening right now. California has reached a deal, which, get this, raises the state's minimum wage from $10 an hour to $15 an hour over the next couple of years. Six years. Yeah. Six. Six years. Six years. Have a listen. 50 cents more an hour in 2017 with gradual increases until the minimum wage hits $15 in 2022. That's six years from now. Business groups oppose the hike. They say it'll harm them and the public and result in higher prices. But the state legislature could vote on the measure by Friday. According to the Los Angeles Times, Governor Brown is expected to support it. 
Yeah, big supporter of it. And the reason uh, that the unions and the state government have reached this deal is that if they didn't, it would be one of those things on a uh, plebiscite ballot. Yeah, they were trying to avoid the plebiscite. They love in the United States, in California. In California, in particular. A lot of people said that plebiscite ballots are the reason why California had so many financial problems over the last 35 years or so. Nobody would would approve a tax hike, which they desperately needed to pay their bills. Right, so they decided to, they wanted to avoid that to deal with the consequences of having it forced upon them. 15 bucks an hour, hell, let's make it 20 vote yes <laughs> would have been a tough call california is not the financial backwater that it was a couple of years ago anymore gord thank you very much for that that's gord mcdonald from the newsroom letting us know what's happening right now you heard us mention there off the top of the show of course the update on the lahore attack the numbers keep climbing right now 70 people were killed there when uh, a bomb went off in near a playground lots of children involved in that we're going to get an update coming up next This is News Talk 980 CKNW, Vancouver's News, Vancouver's Talk.